0: You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. I need to start with a little confession. That board game evening was, um, there's one game you can play called uh, Werewolf, which is like Mafia, for those of you that have played that. And Sounds wrong now, but the, the aim of the game is basically lying and being a good liar. And um, I've, I realised I'm particularly good, gifted at lying. Um, so that confession's out of the way. Hopefully nothing I say today is a lie. Um, but for those of you that were questioning my integrity on that evening, that was the aim of the game. But I just I want to start with a bit of a, a movie spoiler this morning. Um, I, I just want to jump to the end of everything that I'm going to say and... Um, tell you tell you the ending and um, this morning as with any other time that we come together like this we're going to spend some time waiting at the end for what we'd call a ministry time we always and we must be a people of the presence we're people of the presence like Moses and Israel in the wilderness the only thing that should distinguish us and make a difference from all the other people on the face of the earth is the presence of God with us and the What what makes us the church? Well, it's the manifest presence of God among us. And we don't want to ask God to bless um, what we're doing. We need to see what he's doing and to get on board with that and to learn from it, to work with it and to see him bless it. The spirit is given as a deposit guaranteeing God's goodness to come. It says 2 Corinthians 5, God himself has prepared for us this and a guarantee as a guarantee he has given us the Holy Spirit. It's the assurance of his presence with us. It says in 1 John 4, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and him in us. And therefore, he speaks through one another because he lives within us. It says 1 Corinthians 12, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he needs it. He uses us. He forms us together to guide us, to help us understand the gifts that he places among us. 1 Corinthians 2 says, and we've received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, we've received God's spirit so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. And to empower us, to impact those that are around us that don't yet know him and asking God to pour out his spirit among us is quite a bold thing to do. It's um, quite a direct request that we're longing for the spirit among us to do the works that the father would long to to do to to be the fire among us that would propel us to do all that he's placed on us and to to call that out in us and i guess there's no there's no magic words we have to actually expect that the spirit of god would move among us, and would accept our uh, invitation. Come, Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's a bit like standing in your house and saying, "Come on in," without actually opening the door and letting somebody in. I've I've spent most of my life, uh, every and of, every and any opportunity I would say, virtually since I gave my life to Jesus, saying, "Come on in." The, not just I'm going to say that, but I'm actually going to open the door and allow you in. Do whatever you want. Heal me. Free me empower me mold me shape me speak truth over me break lies off of me remove the selfishness the pride the fear the anxiety the previous bad behaviors the corrupted ways at times in thinking that i've inherited some of the lies that i've believed or spoken over myself the lack of awareness of my full of identity of who i am in jesus father do whatever you want come holy spirit more in my life fill me afresh where I've leaked is that we kind of sang it this morning in your name I come alive the resurrected king is resurrecting us if if we allow him do you see what I mean and I guess our job as followers of Jesus or those that are learning to understand more of him is to whether we've decided to follow him or not yet to allow him in to give the spirit of God permission to move in our lives and that really is the first step of what Galatians 5 talks about, learning to live a life in the Spirit. We learn to allow him in more. The, the, the Bible says when we're aware of God's presence, we become responsive to that presence in our lives, and he'll begin to change us on the inside out. Amazing. Amazing as the Spirit shows us the love of the Father, we can learn to serve the Spirit of God rather than our own cravings and our own desires. And we start to learn to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and so on. And we, we believe that it's, that's so precious to us as, as the global church, but so precious in the vineyard. We believe that God works from the inside out. He's not demanding a new moral character overnight but rather he's gripping our hearts and changing our desires to um, align with his in ways that we cannot change ourselves. Now, who wouldn't want that? Honestly, who are desperate for that. So that's kind of my movie spoiler. I think we're going to end by doing that. We're going to ask the Spirit of God to come and do what he does, and I'd encourage you to respond to that and over the weeks and months I'd say the more you do it the more you'll change you, you don't necessarily see it in the moment but what am I what am I saying just waiting on the holy spirit is going to change you yeah I believe the power of God is in the presence of God and his holy spirit is God's change agent and the infilling of him alongside our active choice and cooperation to long to be discipled you'll see more tolerance for your children You'll see less aggression. You'll see a greater stillness. You'll see a desire to share and show the love of Jesus with those around you. You'll align to what God has for you with some of your attitudes and behaviors. There'll be less worry. There'll be a growing love for one another and community among us. You'll have greater depth in your relationships. We could go on and on and on. So many things. The Spirit of God is longing longing to break into your life. And I guess my question is, will, will you open the door? You, you wouldn't even recognize who I was 15 years ago. And I think the best news for you guys is honestly, he's not done with me yet. There's, he's still got more to do. I'm, I'm not who I'm going to be. And I'd, I'd encourage you the same. Don't shy away from it. Don't run from it. Don't hide from all he's longing for you. Don't tire of responding. To the presence of God, run into His arms, desperate and hungry, for more that He has. And that doesn't matter if you've decided to follow Him or not. I'd just say, honestly, don't leave today without fully opening yourself up to the presence of God, as as far as you know how. Now, that's 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 the the movie spoiler, I suppose. If you've never done it, I'd say do it. If you've done it before, I'd say do it again. If you've done it for a long time i'd say keep doing it the, let the spirit of god lead us in into truth so i've 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 sport, sport the movie slightly but if what i want to do before i jump in today is just give you context for what i'm about to share this morning i was brought up in an incredibly conservative church now if some of you are familiar with conservative churches it's potentially slightly more conservative than what you're currently thinking. So on, on, we'd go to this church, and on a few occasions, like a baptism or something, um, people who didn't normally come might come to, to church with other people who weren't used to the protocols of that church that we were in. And I remember um, this lady, Eileen, of course, she's called Eileen. <laughs> she's like, come on, Eileen. <laughs> anyway, um, and it, there's this moment in worship. Now, we just worship, but to give you the context of the worship in that church, it was like a stand-up, sit-down, say a prayer in between um, style of worship. No drums. Please, no drums. That was wrong. And um, one one guy on the organ was was worship. Actually, one guy on the organ eventually, I think, as I was about fourteen, there was a guy with a guitar and a guy on the organ. I'm not trying to criticise it at all. I just want you to get the picture because that's the context. So in this this moment of excitement in worship, Eileen is, has, has raised a hand. Now, not a hand. Sorry, not an arm. A hand in worship, and uh, she's kind of half raised it. It's it's kind of like she was like this basically. So not an arm, not two arms, just a hand in worship. Now. Oh my goodness me! You could see the panic in the ranks. Eileen has raised a hand. It was like, what, what? What do we do? Do we send in the elders and the deacons? Like we've we've got a charismatic in the church, and it's going to lead us. Which well, she needs weeding out. And um, like, I don't know if you've ever seen a moment like this, but the eye police were on her. You know, it was like every eye is like she's got her hand in the air. What's she going to do next? What will we do? And have you ever seen the film Men in Black? It was was like that. It was like we've got aliens and we need to, somebody's going to need to respond. Um, So you kind of get the background and the lens that I saw things through. And I think your background and your lens will shape the outlook that you have on many things as we look ahead. So for me, I, I knew a lot. But I'd experienced very little. I'd, I'd got a religion and I'd got a methodology to my faith. But it wasn't a lived out reality. It was quite dry. And I felt quite burnt out. I could tell you stuff. And it would fit quite nicely into little tidy boxes. But the depth to which that changed and transformed my life was minimal. It was, it was more of a transaction rather than a transformation it was just information rather than transformation and I, as I look back I would say I was living in a goldfish bowl rather than realising that there was a whole ocean to swim in and in many ways actually I'd say the goldfish bowl was safer and it felt more comfortable now there's, there's oil slicks and shark attacks and you know there's, there's many things that need to be navigated that I wasn't even aware of and I guess I long for you to swim in the ocean. I long for the, the, the wide sea for you, the fullness of all that God has for you. If you're just joining us today, I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of a series on the spiritual gifts. Gifts, God has given you gifts. I don't know if you've ever realized that. He's given you things. Honestly, whether you're aware, it, aware of it or not, we, we aren't the same and we won't be the same unless you realise you have gifts and you bring and you offer those gifts. But this, as I say, this is a series, so if you've missed one of them, I'd encourage you to con- to catch up online because the context of this is slots together will make more sense in a series. Some of you might have questions about the gifts. You might have seen them misunderstood or misused. I think controversy has always surrounded the gifts. Look at the... New Testament, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, many people spoke in tongues and there was witnesses that accused them of being drunk. When the apostles went about demonstrating signs and wonders and some people were fearful as well as accusing them of being drunk, nevertheless, there was many that were healed, many were delivered and many, many, many gave their lives and hearts to Jesus. We're, what we're constantly looking for and searching for, I'd say, is does this reveal more of Jesus? Is this gift, is what the Lord is doing, revealing more of Jesus? Because the gifts are from him, they're for us, and a key part of them will be to reveal to us and to others more of Jesus. And I'm hoping just, well, actually, hopefully in a big way, I hope to whet your appetite for the ocean. This may be a bit more like a David Attenborough documentary you know you can you can see it understand it just catch a glimpse but sitting from the safety of your sofa watching the tv the fullness of this is actually going on safari it's getting out there it's doing it it's living it out we can't just watch it and talk about it we we we've got to go there and so i'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable for the sake of it but i feel like i think i've said this before i feel like my job is just to prod you and to keep prodding you to, to go and do it. Go on safari. Go and live out all that God has for you. And I hope and I pray that this really just reveals more of Jesus and nudges you on the journey. And how that will be will look slightly different for all of you. I want to look briefly this morning at the, the gift of tongues. I think this can be incredibly confusing for some people. I just want to unpick it a little bit. We don't... Um, we don't have to get whipped up over it. We don't have to fake it till we make it. I've, you've seen that, you know, like Shakamana honda or chicken tikka masala. It's like, hang on a minute, I've heard those words. Did you come on a honda? Um, but let's, let's just get an overview. Speaking in tongues is allowing the indwelling spirit to guide words and utterances. It's not like a divine ventriloquism which I think some people see it that way. Do you, do you remember, this is going to be wasted on some of you, but do you remember um, Orville and Keith Harris? I was brought up watching that little green duck, I think, with a big nappy and a safety pin. I wish I could fly. Do you remember all that? Anyway, for those that missed it, it's probably, it's probably a good thing. But it's not, tongues is not like trying to be a ventriloquist. It's, it's not like that. It's an act of collaboration with the Spirit of God that lives within us. Acts 2 says everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It was the Holy Spirit that gave the ability. It wasn't their action. It wasn't them forcing something. I don't believe speaking in tongues is a necessary sign of the Spirit of God living in you. Let me just say that again, because some of you, that may be a rut you're in and you're feeling... I'm not doing this. Am I missing out? Am I therefore not living out of my faith? I don't believe speaking in tongues is a necessary sign of the spirit of God living in you. Not everybody will manifest this gift. I don't believe it should be forced on anybody. I've been in environments where it's felt quite heavy. It's quite like you must have. It's like, hang on a minute, what? This this is the only gift of the spirit, I think, that I would say... Um, can edify and build you up when you're on your own. The others are things that you give away, that grow and are exercised in the giving, and they're for the benefit of others. That's not necessarily the case with this one, although it's also the case but this one benefits you also when you're on your own now we're not going to cover everything about tongues today i just want to give a quick snapshot in the most practical way that i think will be helpful i would say the main purpose is edification whether that be for the individual or for the church it's edification now maybe it is for some of you i don't think edification is that familiar a word anymore it's not something we really use but what it really means is is the building up It's the strengthening of either yourself or, therefore, in use of the gift, the church. Who wouldn't want building up or strengthening? I am desperate for that. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. This brings a personal strength in your relationship and in your faith. Jude one twenty says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Within that building up, I'd also say it's really helpful in times of spiritual warfare. I'd say I've personally, on many times, cried out to God in a place of pain and confusion or time of season of hurt from upbringing or whatever it might be and there's almost this deep roar that can come from within times where i've felt beyond human words and it's given me a spirit connection it's given me an overflow that has then at times led to human words to express myself almost a a dipping between tongues and 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 an english language psalm 42 verse 7 says deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. I've I've seen that sense of tongues almost been this depth of a cry, of a yearning, of a longing that takes you beyond where you even have natural words for it. Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows that what the spirit is saying the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with god's own will tongues can be something that allows a language to come and allows us to pray and and can be used in praying for wisdom where we don't have natural words for it personally i'd say in times of ministry that i've been in some of that interceding or that groaning has related to without a doubt, pains or past emotional traumas or things I've experienced which have released an inner pain to the point where previously I'd suppressed it and it's come out in those times. Now, there's, there's other things I'd say wider than just edification. The purpose of tongues is not just to build up and to edify. 1 Corinthians 14.22 says, so you see that, that speaking in tongues is a sign not just for believers, for, but for unbelievers. Tongues is a sign of the kingdom. It's a signpost of the kingdom. Acts 2.12 says a very similar thing. It says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. Another purpose of tongues, 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be speaking only to God. it's a a speaking to God it's a communication vehicle for interacting with God and if it's interpreted I would say it will either be praise or um, prayer addressed to him it can often be something that triggers another gift I've often found that I would lean into tongues when I'm praying for somebody not sure what I might pray and sometimes out of nowhere I just have a word of knowledge or some a prophetic sense that would be on the tip of my tongue now I'd, I'd definitely say it's not a substitute for thinking it's not a substitute for analysis or clarification but it does allow us to move beyond human reason I'd i'd say and i've heard many people say this they could be just walking sometimes down a street and their hearts would leap. There would be like a compelling in their spirit that I'd of an outburst for tongues, for somebody or something, which may be even a response or an act of compassion or just an outpouring of praise, which can then lead to, um, to an insight. It could word to lead to a word of knowledge or just a sense or response where then you have an opportunity to step out in faith. And, and to discern whether or not to engage with somebody around you. I, Without a doubt, would say tongues is used for praise. It's the overflow of a love language when words don't seem adequate or you don't simply have the words in that moment. I think we see this in, in Acts 2. It says, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Acts 10 says similar, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. There's a there's an overflow of praise that it's kind of purposed for. Now, they didn't know in those passages that they were speaking in tongues or a language that somebody else might be able to discern. I've, I've heard, not lots, but I've heard a few times where people have intentionally spoken in tongues to... And and what they've spoken has been fluent in the language of the person around them. Uh, If they're not able to speak the language of the person around them, they speak in tongues and it's been fluent to the people around them. A number of years ago, I was staying with um, Steph's... Some of her family, we were staying at a grandma's house, and Steph's mum is um, German, and therefore it's fairly obvious to say that her grandma is German. So we're out in Germany, and Steph and her family have gone out for the day. And I'm left at home alone with just Steph's grandma, and I'd learnt a few words in German, as as you kind of do, just to get you by, like, but real simple stuff. So I'm like, good night, good morning, um, no, thank you, I'm full, yes, please, I need some more food. So um, I, then I've got no idea why you just you always know some things that you just don't need to know, don't you? I'm, I could say things like um, probably more fluently than that, like oh, you're wearing slippers, or there's the duck pond. You know, that kind of thing, like, what? Um, Then I've got the essential one nailed. I'm like, yes, please, I would like profiteroles. So anyway, in the space of, I don't know, like 30 seconds, maybe a minute, I've exhausted my German, and I'm sat on the sofa with Steph's grandma, with the TV turned off, as looking at each other, knowing that Steph is out for at least another three hours, thinking like, what do we do now? And um, I've had one of those moments. I don't think I've ever had another one like it or one previously to it where I just sensed the presence of God in that moment for that conversation. Now, we're trying to, we were trying to talk, which I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with somebody where all you really know is how to say yes, no, please, good night, kind of some profiteroles. It, it just doesn't go that well. So we're having this conversation, and um, language was a clear barrier, and I blurted out in English, I need to talk to you about Jesus, which, I mean, it's fine. You can say that to somebody who doesn't understand because she didn't think it was weird because she didn't know what I said. So we've had this back and forth conversation for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes where then I just spoke in tongues. Um, not a word of English. I just said, I need to talk to you about Jesus. and I just spoke to her for 10 minutes in tongues. And um, I'd love to say I spoke fluent German. I know enough... German to know I didn't. Um, And I know enough from her reactions that I definitely didn't. Um, But there was something happened that I can't quite explain, apart from to say we had a a rapid change in the dynamic of understanding between us. That we were communicating, not in English or German or tongues, but the, the presence of God was phenomenal to the point where we both ended up in tears and we were both using the word jesus repeatedly i I will never forget it it was a profound moment it changed my whole understanding of tongues and its use i'd i'd say yes they're for personal edification yes they're for the edification for the building up of the church but Tongues can also lead us into places of faith and kingdom advancement, way beyond natural understanding. And I just want to zoom in a little bit on the gift of tongues. Let me define what I mean. I think this is the best definition I could find. It says, tongues being the spontaneous inspired utterance by the Holy Spirit, where the normal voice organs are used, but the conscious mind plays no part. The language spoken or sung is entirely unlearned by the speaker. Let me just read the passage, I want to anchor that around. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, and it says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same lord god works in different ways but it's the same god who does the work in us all a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other to one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge the same spirit gives great faith to another and someone else the spirit gives the gift of healing He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what has been said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The gift of speaking in tongues, unknown languages as it refers to it there, was a was a great debate and concern for the Corinthian church because the use had, had started to cause division and strife in worship. Speaking in tongues is a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit, but the Corinthian believers were using it as a sign of spiritual superiority and were lording it over people rather than using it as a means to spiritual unity the the gifts are beneficial when they're used properly to help to benefit everyone in the church now i'd say that's true of all of them not just the gift of tongues that that's definitely the case for all of them we should not exercise them to make ourselves feel good for our benefit for the blessing and for the unity and for the love of those around us now let's just Pick up a, another passage. I want to have a look at 1 Corinthians 14, slightly longer passage. I don't want to lose you with it, but I think it's important. I'm deliberately not going to put it on the screen. I know if you're new and don't have a Bible, that might make you feel more uncomfortable. But I, I think we live in a culture where we stick it on the screen and say, oh, I don't even need my Bible. I'd encourage you to have a Bible, read the Bible, bring a Bible, find a Bible. We, we need to delve into it. But it says this, 1 Corinthians 14, let love be your highest goal but you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy for if you have the ability to speak in tongues you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you you will be speaking by the power of the spirit but it will, will all be mysterious But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. Unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if you come... If you should come to you speaking in, sorry, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play notes clearly, or nobody will recognise the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will you know what they're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, it'll be a a foreigner, foreigner to speak to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities that the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but if I don't understand what I'm saying, what use is it? Well then, what should I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words than help, and to help others than ten words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. Paul's words there... To the Corinthians about tongues and prophecy I'd say I have so much to say to this generation many followers of Jesus I think struggle to understand, to discern, to even know the purpose of tongues Paul would clearly say I would say don't put down those that don't speak in tongues and those who do speak in tongues those that speak in tongues shouldn't look down on others and those that don't shouldn't have this issue or this regret with others or put others down paul makes a few points about speaking in tongues firstly he says it's a spiritual gift from god it's a gift secondly he says it's a desirable gift even though it isn't a requirement of faith and thirdly he says it's less important than prophecy and teaching and as followers of jesus what does he really say he says oh we need unity and we need love he starts that passage by saying let the highest goal be love let love be your highest goal the enemy is not each other as it sometimes can be the enemy is a sinful world Satan and our selfish sinful desires although Paul himself speaks in tongues he stresses that prophecy by which saying that he means preaching or the teaching of the word is more important because it teaches it admonishes it benefits the whole church Well, speaking in tongues Primarily benefits the speaker only. Paul would encourage us, I think, stay in tune. stay in tune with the spirit with his message of comfort, of encouragement and edification, that that would be among us. But we have to make sure our actions and our attitude and the way we live lead us into a place of love and encouragement and edifying us all. In this passage, Paul, I think he, he confronts the self-orientated use of tongues we've got we've got to be careful not to pursue self-development things that just benefit us at the expense of the broken the lost that those who are on the edge when we give too much attention to our own needs to our ideas and to our spiritual expression we we start to push aside the spirit's true desire and we abandon those that need encouragement i think that would be a good warning to us all Paul's advice is to make encouragement and edification of others the highest goal. Now, this passage, I think, if we allow it, could be a real challenge to us, not just in the context of speaking in tongues, but far wider. Whenever we give too much time or attention to our needs, our desires or our spiritual expression, we push aside the Spirit's true desire and we abandon others who are in need of encouragement. Now... What, what I just said there, I think, takes us against the tide of, of the current culture because we, we live in a time, it's probably always been this, but I see it more so. It's just me, 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 me my needs, my wants, my desires, my way of worshipping, my relationships that will meet my needs on my terms. And the, the message of the kingdom is just the absolute opposite. It's come and die that you might live. Come and give up that you might find that you have. If, if you want to be first, you need to realize you need to come last. Now, I know I'm overexpanding the passage and the context of what it's saying. But I think it's important because I'm not overexpanding the theme or the context of, of the heartbeat of the kingdom. And I think it's, a, it's kind of a, well, it came to me, it's just a timely reminder do I come to church for me or do I come for you? Do I go to small group for me or do I go for you? Would would God ever say of me, Paul, you worship me with your lips but your heart is far from me? I hope not. Do I spend time with people for what I can get or for what I can give? I know I've I digress slightly, but as I read that, there's a a challenge in this, not just for tongues, there's a challenge in this to a much wider application of, we can get lost in the me, 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 and none of this is for us. It's always for the benefit of others, and that, that I think, takes a a sacrifice. Okay, apart from that slight digression, we've kind of looked at the benefit of tongues. let's just look at the receiving of it because I think this again is often an element of confusion. If with the gift of encouragement, how do you get it? Well, you just start encouraging. If with the gift of giving, what do you do? Well, you just start giving. What what about tongues? How How on earth does this work? Well, I think the gift was first given with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I would say it's absolutely no different now. If a gift can be, I would say as a gift, it can be received simultaneously when people first give their lives to Jesus. I think I've seen that a few times, but I'd say it's fairly rare. I'd say normally it's it subsequently, it's a later day. often comes with a fuller and wider understanding of what it is and why the Spirit might even give it, times like this. I'd say there's, there's definitely, a, there can come the full realisation of, that being even a desire in somebody, Matthew seven says, "Ask and it will be given to you." If you're not asking for it, it might not be a gift that is given to you. Matthew seven eleven: How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who who ask him? So let's just be really practical about this. I'd say it it can um, be helpful to use or to exercise the gift in singing. I think even the passages we've looked at, there's an overflow. It's a praise vehicle. It's a praise mechanism. And so it often comes in the form of singing or corporate collective singing. I think it can be really important to um, be free of tension. Sometimes we, like I've just seen that people try and get a bit tense about this one. It's like trying to conjure something up. The, You know, the mindset of like, she come on a Honda, chicken can take a masala. It's like, well, we're trying to, we're trying to fake something. We're trying to make something that isn't here. It's like learning a new language. And I guess you go to a depth that you discover with a new language. At first, it can be a bit clunky. It can be a bit repetitive. It's almost a, a baby speak. But more words come in the, in the longer term that are then added to your vocabulary as you learn to, to speak out a new language. And for, for some of you, that might just pour out don't think that's necessarily has to be or needs to be the case even if it does it may not then at subsequent times it's something that I would say has to be worked on I would encourage people to let it be something you um say or do out loud I I do that often with praying I'd go for a walk or a run and I'd pray because if I just have it in my mind within 20 seconds I'm think replaying the latest football game or something like that. But if if you if you desire it, I'd say another helpful thing can be the laying of hands of others to pray for you. Two Timothy one six says that gifts are imparted through the laying on of hands. Paul says this. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. On on the human side, the gift of tongues is exercised by by us both in the starting and the the stopping it just a speech with any other language is under our control I think that's fairly obvious to say that but I think it takes a willingness and a step of faith and a willingness to fail Our, our mouths don't just automatically start speaking we have to choose to step into it and choose to place ourselves in that place of faith you may feel um quite an excitement initially around that like receiving any gift there's an initial open the box here's the present here's what it is and i, I don't necessarily think that's always the case on subsequent equa- occasions i'd say stick with it you're learning a new language and sometimes that you could you got to press into that and learn to express it whilst on the one hand, uh, on receiving a gift, of course it's right to praise God, to thank God, to have a sense of delight in that. You may want to chat that through with others and share that with others. What I would advise against is the the kind of the mindset of, I've got it, I've got it, I have got Oh, you haven't got it, oh, I, I, but I have got it. And I'm, I don't mean to patronize you in saying that, but I, I think it's... Why is just to say it. I've been in environments where I'm like, am I odd? Am I slightly different to everyone else who seems to have this gift that I, like, I'm still getting over the fact that the odd person's got the hand up because I'm like I was brought up in the Eileen kind of movement. Now I'm I'm talking mainly about the private use of tongues. I realise there's a whole new plethora when we go into the public use of kind of what I think 1 Corinthians 14 describes and, and speaks into. And I think that needs a degree of wisdom, particularly in a corporate gathering. The, the passages say that it should be done in a fitting and an orderly way. But let me, let me just land on one final practical tip. Well, a few. I'd say we don't, we don't need to get weird about it. And equally, I'd say we don't need to get weirded out about it. Paul says, let love be your highest goal. Let love be the highest goal among us would that be the driving force and factor of all of the gifts among us equally i do want to encourage you to step into this paul says i wish all of you could speak in tongues i wish you could that's the that's the overflow and the yearning of his heart he sees the the personal benefit he sees the edification he sees the times of joy where just there's an outpouring of praise and he sees the depth of Challenge and struggle and persecution and hardship. I, I guess when he's in prison or is when he's been stoned or when he's up against it, tongues would have just been an overflow that would have brought him an edification in his spirit, crying out, and the depth would have cried out. He says, I wish all of you could. I believe this would be, I believe this would be of great edification to you, a great building up to you personally, and therefore a building up to us as a church. All of that said, and not wanting to dampen our enthusiasm or to stifle the spirit or land or end on a negative. Just a word of reflection, Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Let, let love be the highest goal. It's always not how will, how will I be edified, how will I benefit, but how will I serve, how will I love, how will I comfort, how will I encourage those others around me. I hope that's helpful. Why don't we, why don't we stand together? for listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description